This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Coast Guard operates in a domain no less dynamic than any other branch of the military. As an organization, it's in the midst of recapitalizing itself and taking on diversity and climate change and a few other matters. For an update, at the Sea Air Space Conference, I caught up with the Coast Guard Commandant, Admiral Carl Schultz. I think first and foremost, you know, we've been focused on my watch the past three years on really the readiness of the Coast Guard. And I think we're making some progress on that. I will continue to put my foot on the, on the gas pedal here to, to elevate that conversation inside the administration the new administration and uh, the 22 president's budget sends a sense of that signals being heard. We'll continue to elevate that conversation on the Hill with our appropriations committees. And uh, they've been receptive to that. You know, I think the Coast Guard, not I think, I know the Coast Guard's been at a level that's unprecedented. The demand for our services here, both in domestic missions and in support of the geographic combatant commanders across the world has never been higher. Even through COVID, we were as busy as we've ever been. So we're going to continue to push Coast Guard capabilities into those places where I think we offer some unique you know, capabilities on the national security front. And that's in that, you know, I talk about cooperate, compete, and lethality. In that competition phase, I think the Coast Guard brings something real unique there. So I think we're going to push capabilities into the conversation. And when you say the message on budget is being heard with respect to readiness, what does that translate into into where the dollars go for readiness? Yeah, so we, Tom, over the last decade, you know, sequestration dates back around 2013. The eight right. years or so, seven, eight years after sequestration, we lost about 10% of purchasing power and operations and support. That's sort of how you run the Coast Guard, the people side of things. You know, we made some headway on capital programs, buying ships, buying aircraft, but really to be ready, we got to get some of that ONS funding. And we actually, you know, 4% in 20, 6% in, in 21, 22 puts us up there, 6 plus 7%. So I, I think a positive 3 to 5% trajectory into the next decade could could really get us a ready Coast Guard. And review for us some of the overseas activities, which people often don't realize the Coast Guard is so heavily involved in. And during your presentation at Sea Air Space, you mentioned the fact that you're working with some of the South Asian right. Coast Guards that are building yeah. up because I guess they're also worried about China. So yeah, review yeah, some of that. I'll walk you around the map real briefly. You know, on a persistent everyday basis, I've got four plus generally closer to six or seven cutters off the north coast of Colombia and, and also in the Caribbean basin doing counter-narcotics work, working for U.S. Southern Command. Generally three to five airborne use of force helicopters that enable those missions. You know, we've got 250 Coast Guard men and women on the Arabian Gulf, uh, six patrol boats, two brand-new patrol boats that just reported in May. So fast response cutters will replace the remaining four Two more in the fall, two more in the spring. But they are active, as the CNO talked about, you know, the increasingly aggressive, um, unpredictable behavior of the Iranians in their fast interceptor craft and stuff. Our coasties are on the pointy end of that spear. We've used warning shots um, to deter bad behavior there. You know, the uh, National Security Cutter Hamilton just was up in the Black Sea, sort of as the Russians were mounting forces in that region again. We had a circumnavigation. We partnered with the uh, Georgians, the um, Ukrainians, we got former former Coast Guard assets transferred through the excess defense article program there, so it's great to come out and partner with them, sort of fortifies their might as they push back on, on regional bad actors there. In the South Pacific, um, I just came back Friday night from a Central Pacific, Western Pacific trip. We were in Guam, we were in Saipan, we were in Hawaii, and uh, the Coast Guard's there. We're out there in Oceania, commissioned three of those fast response cutters in Guam. We've got a national security cutter working for the 7th Fleet right now that, you know, will be doing some very... Uh, 
very important work in the coming months. And as that type of work increases, does that translate back into the capabilities and design elements that you need in the ships under construction? Oh, absolutely. And what I didn't mention was the high latitude. So we're building the first um, heavy icebreakers the nation's built in almost a half century, polar security cutters. And uh, we should start cutting steel here in the remainder of this calendar year. And um, we're gonna, we got a program of record for up to three ships. The first two are funded. So that is a critically important, you know, the Coast Guard's a lead agency in the high latitudes. And uh, we're, we're going to bridge the gap here to those new polar security comes with the, with the Polar Star. She's 46 years old, but we're going to bridge that gap for about another five to seven years. So that's a place where Coast Guard is critically important. And when you think about the Arctic, that gets into the bigger question of resiliency yep. and climate change. And that's a big effect on the Coast Guard. What's your thinking on response in the next two, yeah, three, Yeah, so five. let me let me start when you say with the Arctic. So, you know, the ice extent is, is changing. There's le- less ice every year over the last, you know, 20-plus years. So things are changing up there. It's, that does not diminish the need for icebreakers. Actually, there's less fast ice, more moving ice. So you probably the demand for icebreakers is higher. So we need to continue to build those ships. We need to look at, you know, the other legitimate seven Arctic nations. We need to look at China, who's a self-declared near-Arctic nation and what their interests are in the Arctic. We need to project our sovereign interests and capabilities up there to temper that. Um, Climate change, as we build facilities, you know, we've got a lot of old infrastructure where we build new facilities. They need to be informed by sea level rise and those type of things, Tom. Got it. And what about air assets? So aviation, you know, we fly uh, fixed and rotary wing aircraft. We're, We're making Real good progress towards a fleet of 22 C-130Js. The, the 2022 President's budget, I think, has the 18th C-130J in there. So that program is moving along. We're missionizing some C-27Js that we got from the Air Force years back. And that's going to put some new capabilities. Minotaur system on there. We'll have commonality across our fixed-wing fleet. We, we really, on the, the key part of that, Tom, is we've got a fleet of 98 aerospatial Dolphin helicopters that have served us well. But Airbus no longer makes us, so we're struggling with parts available. So we're going to take our fleet of 45, 46 Jayhawk Sikorsky aircraft. We're going to grow that north, somewhere north of 100. So as we throttle down 98 and grow up the 60 fleet, that's really the future for Coast Guard Rotary Wing until you get the future vertical lift probably sometime in the 2030-plus time frame. So when you do that, then you have greater uniformity across that fleet. We so will have one rotary wing fleet yeah. that's at some point until future vertical lift. That that makes efficiencies. There's many customers for the 60 across the globe, so there should be you know plenty of sufficiency of parts and things like that. And one of the priorities of closer to home that you have outlined a couple of times is the progress on diversity and inclusion. Yep. And how does that all fit in? What's the progress report there? And how do you yeah, maintain so- readiness and fighting spirit and yet meet those objectives. Well, I'll tell you, Tom, we are striving to be a Coast Guard that's more representative of the nation we serve. And the Coast Guard is not quite as well known as the other services. We don't have the big recruiting budgets and advertising budgets. So we got to get out in di- different places. Where you win on recruiting is retention. So when we bring someone in the service, let's say it's a, it's a black woman, a, a black man. They need to see the same opportunities to rise up through the ranks. They need to see all their shipmates kind of push them to the next rung on the ladder just like their white male counterparts. So we are we are keenly focused there. I think we got some success stories. We, we did a holistic women's retention study in 2019 that, that gave us a lot of results. We made many changes. We're seeing, you know, flash the bang in, inside of 12 to 18 months. We're seeing some indicators that those changes are, are helping us. We had about a 5% delta over the course of women's careers compared to their male counterparts. That is closing. Um, we're going to take another RAND study here in about the next two weeks. 
that looks at underrepresented groups. Same kind of study, holistic study, and we're going to get after that. We, we created this personal readiness task force early in my watch. We kept it around, and that's so a study is not shelfware. It is actionware, and we're going to do the same thing we did with the women's study, with the URM study. And closer to home Wednesday is the Coast Guard's birthday. Right. So how do you celebrate that, by the way? So we're 231 years old. I think we look remarkably uh, vibrant for number, 231. Yeah, it's a... You know, you go back at the founding fathers, you know, Alexander Hamilton was the first secretary of treasury who petitioned George Washington for this thing called the Revenue Marine Service to go collect some tariffs to pay for the Revolutionary War bills. And uh, here we are today where the Coast Guard still enables economic prosperity. So we will be up in Grand Haven for the Coast Guard Festival. They're back this year. That's a celebratory. It's the first Coast Guard city. There's subsequently many Coast Guard cities. We'll have a picnic down here uh, a little bit down the road, not on the actual the 4th, but I think a subsequent weekend, maybe around the 14th or so, and we'll celebrate with our Washington NCR crowd to celebrate the Coast Guard's birthday. It's just a day to kind of reflect back on, uh, you know, what, 231 years. We're an evolving organization, but we'll, we'll pause and we'll celebrate all the goodness about being part of the United States Coast Guard team. Admiral Carl Schultz is Commandant of the Coast Guard. I spoke with him at this week's Sea Air Space Conference hosted by the Navy League. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.